Welcome back. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I didn't think that Pat Miller over in WoWo was going to let him go because uh, he just sat down and we're coming right back on air. Senator Todd Young is joining us. Senator, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, Casey. I'm really looking forward to uh, getting to know you better. Congrats well, on this. I mean, this is, you know, we, we appreciate the time and I know that you guys reached out. And it, was, it was nice to be able to have somebody from the Indiana delegation on. So this is obviously a huge issue. And if, if you talk to people, not just in the state of Indiana, but all over the country, I think that you're getting the general sentiment that when it comes to immigration, neither side in D.C. really seems to want to fix it in order to have it as a perpetual campaign issue. As a senator who's been here for a little bit, what what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think there's probably uh, some members on the Republican side, uh, but I don't want to give an equivalency across Republican and Democrat uh, aisles here. I think this is mostly a partisan challenge. I think it's mostly liberal Democrats who oppose taking bold action. I mean, during the Trump years, we funded a border wall. I know from my time in the U.S. Marine Corps, because I served on the southern border working with our border patrol agents, that walls work, borders work. Uh, President Bush later put one in place, and we saw a significant decrease in in trafficking across that uh, southern border. So it's that sort of policy that Republicans embraced in recent years. And unfortunately, the first thing President Biden did when he came into office was undid uh, all of the various tools that we put in place to address uh, border security. So uh, is there room for some of my colleagues on the Republican side of the aisle to up their game as it relates to this issue? Probably. Uh, But let's not kid ourselves. This is mostly a liberal Democrat challenge. Now, as a senator, what what are your thoughts when you saw Karine Jean-Pierre a week or two ago where she went out there and said, no, no, we're just trying to fix the problems of the last administration. It's not our fault that this immigration issue is happening right now. Largest number of people that have ever come, come across the southern border. We're now over four million total in Biden's tenure, over two million this year. Um, we're at about 850,000 to one million gotaways yeah. over the past year who have now just disappeared into the right. country. And yet she's blaming the previous administration. You know, I mean, I, people get tired of this and, and I'm hoping it becomes uh, apparent that in real life, that is outside of politics, uh, there's accountability for leaders. That is, if, if you're in a leadership position and bad things happen on your watch, it's usually on account of some decisions you have made. And, and unfortunately, the president doesn't get this. He eliminates uh, Title 42. He, he reimposes catch and release. Uh, he, he fails to fund uh, the, the border wall. And collectively, these things matter. They, they really matter, which is why you have the same the sort of horrible and horrific statistics you've cited. And he's also uh, fought against the Remain in Mexico policy, which was actually very That's successful. Right. That's right. Even Mexico finally acquiesced and said, you know, this is actually helping out. This is making things a little bit easier for us. And it's led to an opioid, uh, an increase in the opioid crisis. I mean, what was once a crisis is, is now a significantly greater crisis. We've seen, as I look at the stats here, a 21% ju- uh, uh, jump in overdose deaths since uh, 2020. I mean, that's that obviously has something to do with the administration's uh, open borders policies. So as a as a United States senator, when you're starting to look at, obviously we're, we're hoping things change for Republicans on November 8th, okay? But going forward, what types of legislative things are maybe in the works? You know, and what what is it that can be done on the southern border here that can maybe pick up where the Trump administration kind of yes. left off? Because a lot of that's been undone now. It has to start all over again on some of the stuff. How does that work out? How's that process look? Well, and is ha- it possible? Well, it's George Will, uh, someone who I've uh, admired and respected uh, conservative over the years, has reminded us our system of government wasn't designed to be efficient. It was actually designed to be inefficient. Correct. With this checks and balances. 
imbalances. That can be very frustrating when you're trying to solve something like this. So as long as you got Biden in the White House, there are limitations. But here's what we can do, Casey. In addition to the amendment votes that many of us have had for funding a border wall, in addition to writing letters to this administration as it relates to uh, taking care of Customs and Border Protection and the Department of Homeland Security, we need to hold very vigorous hearings. We have subpoena power. We need to call to the carpet those uh, administration res- uh, individuals who are irresponsible uh, and, and have not acted. We need to get the Vice President of the United States, the so-called borders are, before our Senate committees to testify about this problem. If we can litigate this in the court of public opinion, Casey, because every state is now a border state, I think we win the argument and then we force action. If we don't, then we occupy the White House in a couple of years and are able to push through all the reforms we want to. Well, you, you brought her up. So I'll just say it. The border czar says the border is secure. I think I've asked every guest over the past couple of days that question. Like, she says it's secure. And then she cackled, and, and it was awkward. And um, she went to the border but didn't go to the border. And that's Listen. that's basically been who Kamala is. Listen, I mean, I, I, I will be diplomatic when when uh, diplomacy is called for. But since this is a hold their feet to the fire yeah. uh, event, Casey, and because we're, you know, roughly a month plus away from a major election, and she doesn't seem to pull punches with respect to her rhetoric, I'm going to just speak plainly. She's done nothing, as borders are. She needs to b- visit that border. She needs to spend less time on, on other things and solve this problem. When you hear colleagues on the other in the other house, like AOC, go out there and say, hey, DeSantis and Abbott are now trafficking human beings. They're violating their civil rights. When the same thing is being, being done by the Biden administration for years to Florida yeah. and Texas and to other states. And even when they sent them to New York and Chicago. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. But suddenly those mayors now care. But when you hear rhetoric like that, like we're trafficking people, we're violating their human rights. What's your response to that? I think it takes bold, creative, and sometimes hardball tactics to catch the attention of, of the mainstream media and, and many Americans who would rather avert their gaze from this humanitarian, public health, and national security vulnerability of an open border. So in order to keep it in the news, uh, I, I, I think uh, the Governor DeSantis has, has done something which has r- resulted in his very intent, which is uh, uh, making sure that we're focused on uh, the border. So it's, it's, it's been a posi- positive effect of of uh, his decision and that of Governor Abbott and others. And I've also been bringing up... I wish it wasn't necessary, frankly, Casey. I do, Well, and here's the thing, too. This is the other thing. Carrie Lake, running for governor in Arizona, she brought this point up. And there's still a lot of hardline immigration people who are really upset with DeSantis and Abbott because, well, they're still in the country. You're still just sending them to a different part of the country. And I don't think they're understanding the strategy behind that. But Casey, listen, I, I, I aired TV ads beginning in January of this year in my campaign. At the time, the border security was not number issue one. One, two, right. or three, or even, but people said, "Why are you doing?" It? I said, "Well, I feel like I have a responsibility. The media is not covering this uh, right. with 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 any length or, or um, regularity." And and since that period of time, I feel like we've been able to educate voters. Uh, you know, Governor DeSantis has done that in spades uh, with with his uh, bold actions. And these are still human beings. That's the biggest. That's the biggest thing that we have. That's to remember. why we're doing this. exactly. Yeah, we're trying to take care of them. There's a human toll. I was talking with Mark Morgan earlier, Senator, and he said, "You know, I don't think that our side has done a good enough job." of conveying that our position is the humanitarian position. 
and we've allowed the other side to kind of push this as letting them in is the humanitarian position, when in fact that's the one that puts them in danger. That's the one that gets them traffic. That's what gets fentanyl in here to our kids. Yeah, there's economic stuff like that, but at this point it's become so bad the economic stuff is almost secondary to the human life toll that is happening, the rapes and everything else. And sadly, I think there are members, very well-placed members of the administration, President himself, who know this. Instead, for political reasons, they choose not to make the hard arguments uh, to their own liberal base that border security is necessary for humanitarian reasons, uh, and therefore we see the death of, of thousands and thousands of, of, of Americans and, and foreign uh, persons alike uh, on account of their selfish decisions. So you you had the, the commercial, you brought the issue up in your in your campaign ad, like you were saying, and at the time really wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Last year, immigration really wasn't in the news either, and then the whipping scandal, air quote, the scandal happened with the horses, and that happened right before this event. Border Patrol here were furious about that. They're still going after those guys even after they've been cleared. Can any can Congress do anything to help those guys out so that way the administration doesn't continue to pursue them? You know, I would imagine the, 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 the first thing we should do, and, and maybe this will uh, solve the problem altogether, is make sure that we're bringing this into the light of the day through a formal committee hearing. You know, if you got Jim Jordan uh, making this issue, for example, front and center. Um, He has a special talent uh, for making the evening news and for reminding people uh, about these sorts of challenges. So I think that's the best thing we can do in the near term to address this. As I like to say, uh, borrowing from Ronald Reagan, if you can't make the other side feel the, uh, uh, see the light, make them feel the heat. One of the things that I've even heard some Republicans say over the years as they've looked at this issue is that, hey, maybe we need a second amnesty. And I think that if we didn't have that first one that happened under Reagan, I think you might actually find a lot of people be willing to go along with it. But now, I don't think there's a lot of support for it. So is there a compromise there? How do you handle the 11 million people who are here? Listen, there was a compromise that President Trump put forward and most Republicans in the U.S. Senate supported a couple of years ago, right, preceding. Uh, these actions from President Biden. So, listen, I I, I, I think it's way, way premature for us be, to be discussing a compromise, but you'll never have a compromise if the, if the president doesn't lead on this issue. And again, we're talking with Senator Todd Young from our great state of Indiana. So, uh, Senator, when you look at the court situation, for example, President Trump trying to get border wall funded, used some, some methods that were unconventional, but he was perfectly allowed to do. They then fought it in the courts. He's made some appointments to the courts. Has he made enough appointments in the courts that the next administration with the Republican Congress can actually get this funding through and actually have it go through? Or is it still going to be stalled in, in these various court proceedings and things of that nature? That's a great question, Casey. I honestly don't know the answer to that. I, I, what I do have control over, serenity prayer uh, here, is, is um, and, and everyone listening does, is doing everything we can to litigate the case between now and the next election so we have more conservative members of Congress and U.S. senators that can, through legal means, get the funding where it needs to go. So what are some of the other issues that you're dealing with right now? You know, China. China continues to steal our intellectual property. They're threatening our partners and allies. Uh, They're, of course, engaged in all sorts of horrific human rights abuses, uh, from the concentration camps of Uyghur Muslims uh, to uh, the takeover of Hong Kong. So what I've worked on is is, uh, investment uh, in, this is now law, in next-generation national security technologies that will help us outgrow, out-innovate, and out-compete the Chinese Communist Party. Things like hyper 
supersonic weapons yeah. in quantum computing uh, that will uh, will help us win the wars of the future against the Chinese. You and I are both veterans, and yeah. I, I saw this very disturbing thing the other day from these posts that were coming from a Pentagon official who's clearly racist, hates white people, yeah. and they're responsible for teaching woke ideology, we'll call it critical race theory, that type of stuff at the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. How do how does the military get back to one protecting the innocent, killing the bad guys, breaking the bad guy stuff? How do we get back to that point after the damage that has been done over the past several years? Because this was even going on during the the Trump yeah, administration. Know, it takes leadership. Um, I, I I think there are limitations to what can be done. Uh, we have our oversight to do, which uh, will come in November. We'll get a Republican House and hopefully a Republican Senate. We can do oversight and hold hearings on this kind of stuff. But frankly, we need a commander in chief that uh, understands the primary job of a military is to fight wars and to break things. Right? I say that a little that's, bit tongue-in-cheek, but you understand. I mean, that's well, right. That's, that's just fighting. it. I mean, that's, that's, right. that's what you're supposed to do. I served in the 1990s. I sound ancient to some of your younger <laughs> listeners, maybe to you, Casey, but listen, we, we, had, we had some out-of-control sensitivity training when I was in the military, and it, it, it really bred cynicism and undermined morale within the unit, uh, because we all knew it was ridiculous and, and uh, for political purposes. But then President Bush came in Yep, and he implemented some reforms. So that should that should be encouraging to us during these times. So let me just uh, shift to COVID for just a second. Being from Indiana, I had meetings with National Guard people, and they had entire battalions getting let go in the Indiana National Guard. Entire battalion for not getting vaccinated, and they had they played audio tape of me as they were talking to the lawyers, and they were saying, "Hey, the UCMJ says that I don't need to be vaccinated. I've already had COVID. It says I'm not, we're not going to follow that." And they're being removed while at the same time these these big bonuses are being offered to replace them with inexperienced soldiers. Some of these guys have been in for 10, 12 years. Is there any kind of support that they can expect with a change in Congress to the Republican side to help veterans who are, again, exercising their religious exemptions? Maybe they've had COVID. They don't want to get an experimental vaccination. Is there anything coming their way that could help them out, help them at least keep their benefits and get an honorable discharge if they choose? Listen, I, I, I'm not aware of, of uh, some of the proposals that may be considered in the Armed Services Committee, not on that committee, uh, but that's the sort of thing I think Republicans would prioritize to hold hearings on uh, and, and, and see if, uh, you know, A, see if relief is, is uh, needed and, and B, uh, provide the relief if necessary. But, rank, you know, frankly, sometimes Congress works uh, too often. There's an end run by Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi around the committee process, and this is, this is where the series business of legislating supposed to occur. We just haven't done enough of it. Too many speeches on the floor, too much, uh, frankly, uh, yak, yak, yak on, on the news, not enough real work in committees. Congressman Young, or Senator Young, my apologies, Senator That's Young, right. thank you so much for joining me. I really do appreciate it. All the it. best, buddy. Thank All you. All right. Got more coming up. 95.3 MNC. All right, cool. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know it was last minute and time changed and so...